0: you <laughs> Welcome to the H2P Podcast here on DKPittsburghSports.com. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and we're here just chilling on a Thursday because there's not a whole lot to talk about that's new news or anything. Well, there is uh, Pit Football's uh, official game times, or at least projected game times and TV statuses of their games. That's been announced. and. That's fine. That's cool. I'm not going to waste your time you know, talking about that. I may waste your time later in the offseason about it, but not, to, not today. I wrote a piece on DKPittsburghSports.com, and this one's free. If you're not a subscriber to DK Pittsburgh Sports, which you should be, but if you're not, this one's for free. It's in our Talking Points section, or you can go to the Pit page to, to read this one. Um, uh, by the way, subscribe to this podcast channel for free on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere podcasts are hosted. Um, and rate us five stars with a positive comment because that helps out all the shows on our platform here. But, talking about pit football, I thought it would be interesting to write this piece on our talking points where we try to argue a point here. Is, I saw a piece on ESPN Plus, you know, ESPN's side. Bill Conley wrote this. And he created a top 50 all-time NCAA football team's that didn't win national championship. Now, mind you, this was an interesting list. Because in my time watching uh, college football, I've seen a ton of these teams. The you know the USC team that Vince Young took out with Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner and Lindale White and all them dudes. That was a bad team. That Miami team, I think it was in 2001, that lost to Ohio State on that extremely questionable play. That was another one. You know, they, I think they had like Ed Reed and Frank Gore and Jeremy Shockey. I mean, just like all the all the guys in there. And there's a few other Miami teams. There's a few Penn State teams. Um, and, and the list was really comprehensive. I do urge you to go and read, read it. Cause it, it, it was kind of a fun, like think back, like, wow, I, I didn't, I didn't remember that team, you know, 2018 Alabama was even up there, uh, after, you know, losing to them. And then there's teams I never heard of like 1959 Ole Miss or 47 Michigan, uh, which was the number one team. Uh, but of course Pitt did make the list. Now, how you may feel about where they made the list is another story but the 1980 Pitt Panthers were ranked 32nd of the top 50 teams to not win a championship in in college football history. That's a heck of a year. If you recall or don't recall, that was the year they finished 11 and one. They finished the season ranking, ranking second on the year. They went on that year, uh, under coach Jackie Sherrill to win the Gator Bowl. Um, they were they were uh, they were an extremely tough team. They had Dan Marino at quarterback and their one loss was to number 11 Florida State in the middle of the season. They finished the year by winning 7 games in a row including trouncing West Virginia 42 to 14, going on the road to blow out Tennessee and Syracuse. Uh and then they finished the year beating number 5 Penn State 14 to 9 in the, as their last game in the regular season and then winning the Gator Bowl over South Carolina who was ranked number 18 in the country. They got ranked number 2 cuz Georgia went undefeated that year. But that was arguably the best Pitt team ever. Arguably. Now, there was there was a the 76 team that won it all and you could say about Tony Dorsett and the other guys that 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 have been there and the and the things that those guys got but you could make a case that that team that year was just too loaded with talent not only did you have Dan Marino at quarterback this was the was the group that broke the NFL draft you know i i talked about how i talked about how um you know all you heard me gearing up for the NFL draft, how Pitt is going to have six guys in the NFL draft. Maybe they'll have seven because six had been, you know, six was would would have been the most since 2004 when they also had six with Larry Fitzgerald. Um, but the only the, the only time before, you know, before that, you know, in the nineties that they had more players get drafted, um, was uh, was 1990, and that was a bit of a of of a of a trick or a, or a pl- uh, you know that's kind of a a little bit of a cheat because back in 1990 there were a ton more rounds to be drafted in. Three of those players got drafted in, either in the ninth or eleventh rounds. There are no ninth and eleventh rounds anymore. So like if if there were eleven rounds, I'm sure that Paris Ford and you know. D.J. Turner and other guy, other pit players that didn't get that, that got that signed undrafted free agent contracts would have been picked up by a team, um, but the 1981 pit pit class, there were 12 players drafted there, and only one of them came after where we would understand the NFL draft to end in the seventh round. There were 11 players selected in the first five rounds of the NFL Draft. Three of those came in the first round. Reading them down the list, Hugh Green, y'all know him. He went 7th overall. Randy McMillan went 12th overall to the Colts. Mark May, 20th overall. Then you had Ricky Jackson going to the Saints in the second round. Then even in the third round, you had Greg Meisner. Defensive tackle, Carlton Williamson, the D.V., And you also had Russ Grimm. Y'all know him as the offensive lineman. He went to be a Steelers offensive line coach for several years. And then he still had players in the fifth round like Bill Neal, Benji Pryor, Lynn Thomas, Jerry Boy- Boyarski. And then the final guy was Rick Tricano in the 11th round. And he actually was picked by the Steelers. But point being, that's a ridiculous draft class. That's back when Pitt was a powerhouse. And you look back at those years, and they really were, even though they didn't win the national championship that year. When you go back and look at it, they were eleven and one that year, well, guess what? The year before that, they were also eleven and one in nineteen seventy-nine. They won the Fiesta Bowl that year. And the year after 1980 and 1981, they were eleven and one again under Jackie Sherrill. Three straight years of eleven and one and that year they won the Sugar Bowl. Now, you could probably say that you felt a little bit better about the 1981 team because well, actually no, you probably couldn't because that was the year that they, they they got blown out by Penn State. But the way they ended the season beating Georgia the last minute with a, a John Brown touchdown, um, you know, that that was pretty exciting. But 1980, they were that. They were that team. You know, they 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 were there. But My point in bringing this up and my point in writing the article going back over this list of all the teams and and where Pitt is is relating it to where Pitt is now, right? Because that's where fans are like, man, like, it's different for people in my generation. I'm 32. You know, I barely remember what Pitt Stadium looked like. But I can't imagine, like, the first Pitt games that I physically remember in my brain... It's Kevin Barlow, and that's only because my dad coached him in high school, or Kevin Barlow, as he said to people. Another story, but um, point being, I, I I don't remember a time of Pitt being a powerhouse. But when I talk to people like Dale Lolly, who uh, who went to Pitt, who, who's fo- who followed them and follows football, and he's been around much longer than me, and I talked to to alumni like Kelly Burkett of Channel Eleven and people that grew up in that era or went to school in that era or just around just to see it it's a different story and I talked to my father I mean it's like he's like it's crazy to think about how powerful Pitt was right there with the Clemsons and the Alabamas and maybe not like you know that level of of they won championships as much but they every year they were in a nuck you could guarantee that if they played a Penn State if they played a big program there was going to be a fight and back in that stretch from 75 to 80 Pitt finished ranked five times in six years and then even when you throw in the three actually I, I should extend that three to the three years after that they also finished ranked five of those times being in the top ten so in a span from 1983 for from 1975 to 1983 you could say they were they finished ranked eight of those nine seasons And five of those times, were top, they were a top-ten team in college football. You couldn't dream of that now. But I don't think that all is lost for Pitt football being a relevant program. I do think there's a direction this program is going under Pat Narduzzi. I want to talk about the potential of the future and what Pitt fans can look forward to that might excite them. we got to take a break. We'll get back to that right after this. Here on the H two P podcast, I'm your host Chris Carter. We're talking all things pit football on this podcast episode here on dkpittsburghsports.com. Remember to subscribe. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the places podcasts are hosted, and subscribe to dkpittsburghsports.com for all of our written work and access there. So you heard me going all in on the 80 Panthers, and then where they were, and you know how they were just—they were just always ranked. But that fell off considerably. You know, Jackie Sherrill left the program in eighty one. But they still had years of contention. Foge Fazio didn't do much, but they eventually got Johnny Majors back. That didn't turn out too well. But uh but Walt Harris, they were competitive some of those years. Paul Hackett's years, they had they had some some uh some decent seasons. And then, of course, Dave Wanstead came in for six years. But Dave Wanstead's 2009 season, where they went 10 and 3, that was the last time Pitt has finished the season ranked, according to the Associated Press. They were 10 and 3. It's also the last time that they won at least nine games in the season, which they did two straight years in a row. Because in 2008 they went 9 and 4, 2009 they went 10 and 3. Now, admittedly, Pitt fans, if you wanna, if you're like, oh, yeah, I know, it just sticks, right? Let's 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 calm down here. Pitt had a rough couple of years after 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 Wanstead left. He had Paul Crist, who was Mr. High Octane offense, and then was gone in three in less than three years, and Pat Narduzzi took over in 2015, where he got back-to-back eight and five years, then in 2018, they did finish seven and seven, but they went six and two in the conference. That got them a bit to the ACC title game. Even though they got they got smacked by Clemson, it was still like you know hey this this program is moving forward. Then they went eight and five in 2019, and they won a Quick Lane Bowl, their first bowl win under Narduzzi, and their first bowl win since the the, the Little Caesars Bowl of Paul Crist in 2013. But then the pandemic hit, and their best player, their biggest name player, Jalen Twyman. Uh, opted out of the season and there was a whole bunch of problems and that was but they did get to be ranked again and it was the highest that they've been ranked under Pat Narduzzi at 21 they didn't finish ranked but they were at least ranked during the season but I really think that Pat Narduzzi is taking this team in in the the direction the trajectory of getting them to the the point where they can consistently be ranked in that low teens to 20 range now they haven't been to the low teens under Matt Pat Narduzzi, but I do think there's a there, there's potential for what they're doing here, because when you're building a program, and that's what Pat Narduzzi's doing, he's uh, he'll be in his seventh year all time as Pitt head coach. That is the he'll he passes Dave Wanstead and will be the sixth most tenured Pitt coach in in the program's history. But you want a guy to build a brand for your football program. Something that people can go to, the players are going to want to go to and say, yeah, I want to play for those guys because they play this style of football and that's what I want to look like on Saturdays so that someday I can look like that on Sundays. And that's what Pat's building here. Because the defense does have an identity to get after the quarterback. They're physical, they're fast, they're aggressive, they don't care, they play with reckless abandon. And even though y- you do see their, their, them get beat for big plays, those cornerbacks, they do live on islands. Those safeties, they do they do have a lot of pressure on them to make big plays in space, but they embrace that culture. And you see players like Jason Pinnock, players like Demar Hamlin get drafted. And if, if I still say if Paris Ford had just had a better day of his 40-yard dash time, he'd have been drafted too. But that's... Again, you're building a brand. You're getting people excited to say, hey, what are they doing over there? And then you can occasionally get a Naquan Brown, who was a what, a four-star recruit, who was supposed to go to LSU, and he had already committed there. He decommitted from LSU and committed to Pitt. And that boosted Pat Narduzzi's recruiting class, which ranked, I think, 25th on ESPN's rankings of all the the college football recruiting classes of 2021. You can't get to be a powerhouse again until you can take your steps up the ladder, right? And now, again, I'm not saying that Pitt's definitely someday going to be the powerhouse. I'm not trying to be... I'm not being super bright-eyed and optimistic here. I'm letting you know, though. I don't think this program is as far away from being able to finish ranked in a season. And not ranked 5 or 10, but... Finish ranked in the twenties. Finish ranked in the in the low teens. Maybe get a, a a bowl game where they where they stun some people because like oh we, we haven't seen Pitt win a big bowl game in a while and here they are catching this team that you know plays in the Big Twelve or plays in the SEC and they they, they beat them. You know getting back to competing in the ACC and maybe getting another shot at the ACC title. And maybe you won't have to go up against a, Desha- a Deshaun Watson or a Trevor Lawrence in the ACC title game. But, if Pat Narduzzi can get them to that point, that's a big win, right? Because we hadn't seen that for Pitt in quite some time. And if players start to see that, then you're going to start and you'll get some five-star recruits. Maybe you'll get those players to say, aha! They are even better, and I want to play for these guys. And... You know, I may have not gotten the, the call from Alabama, or I may not feel like, you know, I'll start at Ohio State because because they have all this competition over there, or they have their ways. But at Pitt, I might be able to get that. And all it takes is a few guys like that. And then you get a, a, a big playmaker, and then you're hanging with the big boys, or at least making noise. Because if you hear any noise, it ain't the boys. Um... But in all seriousness, Pitt football has, has has that chance, I think, to get there. And if Pat Narduzzi can get them there and then keep them there, not every year because that's not possible. You know, you got to lose players, gain players, and, and, and keep things that are changing. But if he can get them there where they're regularly battling and, and, and being ranked, then I think that gets them better chances of those higher recruits. And then we're dealing with a whole different conversation of what's within reach. What's the hope? What's the what's you know, what's the, 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 the shelf that they can get to now, you know? That's where I think pit football can get to. And if pit football can get to that level, then maybe several years down the line, if they if 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 that could be the established culture that Pat and gets them to adopt. Maybe then we're talking about someday like, hey, this isn't all that out of reach. So that's the reason I posed that question in my talking point was could Pitt get back to being a powerhouse someday? I'm not saying this year or next year or even five years down the line. But it's—you, Pat Narduzzi is establishing a culture of football here. And I know there's some people that want him gone. And listen... I understand there's some decisions that are, whoo, like, you're just like, why did you kick a field goal there? What'd you do this year? I didn't agree with this. Blah, 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 I get it. There's times I disagree with them. But, again, that happens with every coach in every sport. Y'all, 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 I'm not saying everybody. Y'all be killing Mike Sullivan. A man, they got two Stanley Cup championships for this city. And people are like, oh, why didn't he put in legacy? Or, or why didn't he do this? And it's like, guys, not every coach's decision is going to be right. Not even Bill Belichick. Not even Phil Jackson. Not even Chuck Norris. No, the you know, greatest, not even Greg Popovich. We go, 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 go sport by sport, whatever sports you got. There's coaches that make mistakes and sometimes big mistakes that cost the that, that you could say it cost them seasons, even though you can point to a million reasons that cost anybody a single season. So saying that about Pat Narduzzi, I'm not saying that Pat Narduzzi is Bill Belichick or Greg Popovich or whoever, but I am saying that he is doing the job of establishing a culture here. And that the defense is fe- is feeling that the linebackers that know that they have a level of responsibility to the program is like, hey, we play this brand of football. We're physical. We're fast. We good after guys. The defensive front. They they, they you know Jalen Twyman. He looked up to Aaron Donald. Now they got a Kylja cansey He's he's trying to he's trying to be the next interior pass rusher. You got edge rushers now like Desmond Alexander who are looking at Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver and say, I want to be like those guys. That's how you build the program. that's how you build excitement. And then when more and more of those guys keep, keep, keep getting churned out, some of those kids that grow up in Western Pennsylvania and play high school football and make and, and you know they're the four and five star recruits and they're like, whoa wait a second I can do that there I can be like those guys going to the NFL let me check them out. And I know there's some people gonna say, well, you play at Heinz Field and it's not always full, and it's nothing like Happy Valley. I get yeah, go somewhere else. The point is, people can see Pitt and see opportunity there. And that brand of football is being established at Pitt. Now, does the does Pitt still need to show up in these next couple seasons? Uh Uh-huh. They do. I think this year is huge, and I mean huge with a capital H for Pat Narduzzi. If he's able, when he got Kenny Pickett back, because without Kenny Pickett, I was like, ooh, this is going to be a trouble. But when he got Kenny Pickett back, he has a chance to have a real ground game with with Izzy and, and Vince Davis. I think those two can be really special together. They've got a talented receiving core. Brennan Marion, I think, is going to help boost those guys. Those, those drop passes you saw last year, I think you're going to see a few less. Because that dude, I think he's a truly special wide receivers coach. He's got something going on there. And that defense, they, got, they still got some ballers out there. I know everyone's like, oh man, no Rashad Weaver, no Patrick Jones, no Demar Hamlin, Paris Ford, or what, Jason Pennock, all those guys. They got some dudes coming up the chain. And again, they don't got to go undefeated. They don't got to sweep the ACC. But like, imagine if they had a year where they didn't have those two one point losses to NC State and Boston College. Imagine if they had had a, if if they if Kenny Pickett doesn't get hurt and maybe he plays in Miami and maybe they beat Miami. And right there, you're you're looking at nine and two instead of six and five. And you're feeling, as a Pitt fan, a whole lot differently about this year. Yes, you would be. You'd be like, oh, man, that was great. A nine-win season? And you're also probably, well, Notre Dame was in the mix this year, but you'd you'd be more in competition for uh, for an ACC championship appearance. For maybe a bigger bowl invite. And by the way, I still think that Pat Narduzzi made the right call to not go to a bowl. This year, it's just there was too much going on, and it was just to go to another eh, bowl with COVID going on. Those kids had been through enough. I I totally get that decision. But this year, if they can do that with Kenny Pickett back, a growing receiver room, a growing running game, a defense that they got to get some changes in there, but I I think that they can still be competitive and get after people. Man. Let the, don't let them have a nine-win season this year, because then we'll be talking about what I'm talking about right now in this show. Not top five, not top ten, not even top twelve, but maybe they crack the top twenties. Maybe they crack into the into maybe being fifteen again. That's where I see the potential for this program, at least within the immediate reach. And if you can get there. And then get there a few times. Maybe then we're talking about what can Pitt do to take the next step to getting back to where they were with their 1980 class. That's all I have for you today here on the H2P Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here pit beat writer for DKPittsburghSports.com and Steelers writer as well. Check out my work there at DKPittsburghSports.com. Also, check out all of our podcasts at DKPittsburghSports.com by subscribing to our podcast network. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and we have a ton of and we have a ton of uh of other programs on the Steelers Pirates Penguins all right here for you to enjoy for free also rate us five stars with a positive comment that stuff really helps out the network stay tuned DK's got his daily shots coming up tomorrow and we got a ton more content coming your way Dale and myself talking some Steelers football this weekend it's gonna be a fun time see you then ladies and gentlemen